You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. All right, so we're in Matthew chapter 13. We're uh, entitled this Lessons from the Boat. Obviously, this is going to go on for a while. I believe this is about our fourth uh, lesson in this series. And we're still in the first couple of verses. So uh, we're going to look at some or all, I'm honestly not sure yet, of the parables that Jesus taught. This is a, a chapter where Jesus um, talks about a day when Jesus taught seven different parables. He taught for hours, actually. Um, and, but he had gotten out into a boat offshore, and the people were gathered around, and he was teaching. And so uh, we're just going to begin, we've been talking about what parables are and that kind of thing, and, and uh, we're just going to begin today to dig into the, the first parable, which is a parable that we usually refer to as the parable of the sower, but I really, I mean, it, it's about the soil. It's, it's not so much about the sower. We'll talk about that in just a second. But even before we do that, you know, that verses one through three here, in Matthew chapter and in 13, verse 1, it says, and, and that you can same day Jesus went Luke out of the house eight, and sat by the lake. It, such know, large Luke's crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat uh, in it while uh, all the Mark's people stood on the shore. But we're then looking he told at the, them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, I, I want to bring this to you that in Mark's account of this day, in verse 13, Mark chapter 4, verse 13, Mark makes this statement, and he uh, quotes Jesus as saying this to them. Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? So Jesus makes this statement that this first parable about seed being sown in the ground is so foundational that if we don't get what this parable says, we're not going to be able to get, we're, we're going to miss, we're going to misunderstand all of Jesus' teaching. This, this truth that's contained in, in this is so essential and so foundational that without it, unless we plug this into our lives, we're not going to be able to understand, truly understand any of Jesus' teaching. That's really important. And so we are, we are likely going to take a little more time. And I know for many of you, you've studied this, probably studied these verses over and over. I know I have. I've taught on these many times over the years. And yet every time I come back to it, it just seems like that's the way the word is. Every time I come back to it, it's fresh, it's alive. So I believe it'll be that way for you. So again, we call this the parable of the sower. That's how we, most people tend to re refer to it, probably says that as a heading maybe in your, your Bible today. Throughout this parable, the sower, the planter, never changes. Okay, there's, there's, it never changes. All right, the seed, which is the word of God, never changes. The only thing that changes and the only thing that determines how successful the harvest is, how much comes up, is the condition of the soil. And the condition of the soil represents the condition of each of our hearts. And we took the last few weeks looking at what Jesus said. It, you know, he, he starts out and, and he, the Bible gives us the parable. 
then he talks, you know, there are many verses there that talk about Jesus discussing this whole thing with his disciples when they came back and asked him, you know, why, why do you teach all this stuff in parables? And he came back and he talked about hearts and hearers. And we've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks. So if you haven't heard that, you want to go back and get those lessons. But everything is determined what we receive from God anytime we are in his presence, it's determined by the condition of our heart. It's not condition about, you know, condition by, determined by the condition of the seed. The seed's always the same. It's not determined by God's, uh, God's attitude that day. You know, the, the sower never changes. And, and it's, it's interesting here because when we think about we think about the word of god it's so important that we always realize his word doesn't change jesus said matthew 24:35 is one place it's recorded heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away heaven and earth will pass away and so often we're looking at things going on in the earth and we're allowing those things that are going on way too much influence in the choices that we make, the direction that we take, how we relate to things. We, we base it on our circumstances when all that stuff is going to pass away. When all of this stuff and all of the argument and all of the opinions about God and about Jesus and about the Bible and all this stuff and, and, and people's opinions of you and I and all those influences are out there, they're all going to be gone. Every bit of that is going to be gone. Pain that you're feeling here on the earth is going to be gone. Success that you're experiencing here on the earth is going to be gone. All that stuff's going to be gone. And the word will not have changed a bit. The word is the treasure. The word is what we need to value. And he said, uh, just a couple more in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. Most of you know these verses. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven. Those of you who got snow this weekend, see if this rings a bell. Uh, I won't tease you too much about it. As the rain and snow, we could actually use some snow here. So if you want to send it our way, we could use it. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty or void, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send it. The word is incredibly powerful and it doesn't change. And all through this parable, it's not the parable of the seed. The seed is the same. It's not really the parable of the sower. The sower stays the same. It is the condition of the heart that determines how much what we just read out of Isaiah, how much of that we actually see in our lives. Last one, Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the sower doesn't change, all right? He's not going to change. He's not going to only pour into your life on some days. In fact, he says here, uh, let's just read this. Uh, this is Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. It says, then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. All right? So this parable of the sower, of the soils, uh, 
it begins this way. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. That's an image of God being intentional, of God going out to sow seed, to sow his word, to plant his word in people's lives. He goes out to plant his word. He doesn't, and this is important if you grew up in an environment that gave you a picture of God sitting high on a heavenly throne, far distant from you, or eternally hanging on a cross, okay, but never getting out of the grave. If you grew up with any of those types of images of this distant, uninvolved God that's waiting for you to make every effort to get near him, I mean, we do have a responsibility there, but when Jesus starts us out, he depicts God as being intentional. He's in motion. He's, he's in pursuit. He's out sowing, giving away, planting his word. That's really important because that goes to the nature of God. And if, if you, and a lot of us did, I don't say this in any way critically, we grew up with an idea that God's full of judgment. He's full of condemnation. He, you know, we would have to pry any good thing out of him. Uh, he doesn't really want anything to do with us. You know, thank goodness. I remember a friend of ours used to talk about how he grew up with this image of this, you know, this judgmental God just ready to whack him upside the head with a... I mean, that's what, that's what gave this God pleasure, you know, was getting the opportunity to smack us around a little bit. And, and Jesus and the work of Jesus just barely restrains him from that. God the Father is the one that sent Jesus so that we could have a relationship with him. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. This is from the Amplified Bible. It was God the Father. It was the Father. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. It was God personally present. I've, we've had, I can think of at least two individuals, and I know there have been more, but these are people we knew well, who said this, that they had this image growing up of, of the Father. It was almost like Jesus had to jump between us and the Father to restrain the Father, you know, and, and that God's still pretty mad, but Jesus got between us, you know, and and that was their image. And so what happened in the one case was this guy, it took a long time for him to work out a relationship with the Father. He loved Jesus, but he saw them as two different people, two different gods. And we understand they are two different persons, but they are the same. They are one God in three persons. And they are the same. Their nature is the same. Their desires are the same. Their, their purposes are the same. Their attitude toward you is the same, all right? It was God personally present in Christ, personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of the restoration to favor. So, so because of all that, we are now Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us. We, as Christ's 
personal representatives. This isn't just Paul and his friends, okay? This is believers. We as Christ's personal representatives beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. Take hold of the divine favor that's offered to you. This farmer got up and went out to sow the word. And he doesn't change, all right? He went out. He took the initiative. The soil didn't have to come beg him for the word. It's really important that as we read the rest of this and we read about our responsibilities and, our, and how important, uh, you know, the, the changes that need to happen in our hearts so that we have good soil, we have a good seed bed for the seed. That, that is our responsibility. And we're going to talk through all that. We're going to talk through the things that try and prevent that in our lives, but we need to come from a foundation that God's on our side. God wants us to receive the word. God wants a huge, wonderful harvest produced on the inside of us. That needs to be how we go about this. And then, you know, in Matthew 13 or Mark 4, any of these chapters, it's talking about seed being God's word, but also understand from what we just read He's still sending sowers. He's sending us. He has sown into our lives. Christ has made the relationship for us. And, and now he's sending us out. Every single day, every single week, every one of us are to be going out carrying the presence and the, and the word of God to our communities and to our families and our friends. And what an honor, what a privilege. You know, we get to sow seed. And sometimes unlike God, we don't want to. He, uh, you know, he will send us to places and to people, just to be very blunt, that we don't like, we don't get along with, we don't, uh, we're put off by people sometimes. I, I know, none of you guys, it's just me. But anyway, we're put off by people, and yet God will send us into that situation with his grace and his love and his word and his presence into that very situation to grow us up a little bit and enable us to sow seed in places, in in places where he sends us. So the and and so in verse four it says, as he scatters or casts his seed. Okay? As he scatters his seed. I want to say this to you. That seed Notice, we're going to notice when we read the rest of the parable, that seed fell on really good ground. It fell on totally hard ground. It fell on ground where weeds were growing and overtook it, and it fell on stony ground, kind of in between hard ground, okay? He threw the seed on all of that ground. He planted all of that ground. And again, it goes to the nature of God. He sends his rain on the just and the unjust. He reaches out. He sets a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And we have the responsibility to come or not. But I'm telling you, and I've said this to you a lot, God will set a table, a place for you to connect with him and to feed on him. He will set that table even if you decide to go fishing. Even if you decide you don't want any part of it. Even if you decide, I don't like the people that are over there. Even if the, if the Spirit of God is moving you to be in a place or to set aside that time in the morning or whatever it might be, wherever he is setting, he will set that table because he can't deny himself. He's faithful. 
So he will scatter that seed. He scattered that seed. Do you think he knew that along the beaten path that people walk on, the seed wasn't going to come up? Of course he did. He knew, and, and he knew on the stony ground what was going to happen there, and he knew, but he planted the seed anyway. He's that faithful. He's just that faithful. And so we have to be that faithful too. And when he sends us someplace or he talks to us about a certain place, you know, this could be intercessory prayer. This could be praying for somebody you're frustrated with. This could be speaking the word to somebody. It could be taking a sack of groceries to somebody. Anything that the Lord would put on your heart to minister his love, his power, his grace. It could be laying hands on a sick person that you know good and well is just going to have a lifestyle. It's going to get them sick again. But Jesus says, go and pray for that person you know, uh, whatever it might be, we are there. We just go out and we do what he tells us to do. But he cast that seed in all these places, even where he knew he would never get a response. And again, I believe that's because he can't deny himself. He is faithful. He will do what he said he would do. He will act according to his nature. All right. So we're going to jump down to verse 19 in this chapter, which is where Jesus begins. We've covered a lot of the verses in between. This is where Jesus begins to explain verse 4. He begins to explain um, the parable. I know we didn't even read all the way through it today, but that's because we already have too much stuff just on uh, verse 19. So let's just work with that today. So in Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, again, the, the disciples came and asked him, you know, to explain the message to him. And so he begins to tell them what that parable meant. And it says this, it says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, I want you to notice a couple of things there. When anyone hears the message, okay, notice that. Message about the kingdom and does not understand it. That probably doesn't mean what you think it means right now. The evil one, here's what happens, okay? The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The Passion Translation defines this as seed sown along a beaten path, okay? A beaten path. When I was praying through that, I just felt like the Lord was showing me that a lot of times we'll have those hard places in our heart because we have been walked on. You know, we have been, that's what this is. It's the path. And then there, there's loose soil on the sides where they're planting the seed, but the path gets walked on. You know, whether that's walked on by other people, walked on by life, walked on by the devil, whatever it might be, there are those hard places in our hearts where the seed can't penetrate. This verse and this part of this parable is about hard-heartedness. And in some cases, that means that we have just chosen to reject, okay? It's a, we have chosen to reject. In other places, life has beaten that part of us down and it has become hard. And so the seed can't penetrate. It can't get in. Whenever that happens, and we're gonna talk about a number of reasons that that happens, but whenever, you know, this is a picture of a hard heart that is an attitude of heart that simply does not or cannot give place to God's word. It can, and get this, God's word can land on it. The seed landed on it, right? 
we can hear it with our ears. We can be exposed to it. It can land on it. But our heart does not let it, doesn't give it any room. And Jesus talked about that. He talked about that because people had rejected him. He said, my word finds no place in you. There's just nowhere. And I also love the fact that, you know, a lot of you have probably seen this, you know, we see it out in nature where there will be a tree growing out of just a crack and a rock. We see this in, in New Mexico, you know, where everything's just trying to grow. And uh, if it gets the tiniest bit of moisture and the tiniest bit of soil will be, have gotten into the crack in that rock and something will take root in there. I mean, there's so much life in what God created that comes from him and it'll take root in there and here will be this tree growing up out of this rock and Karen can't help but go and give it some water from her water bottle when she goes by there. But, but what an amazing thing. And that's all the word, I mean, it really, we want to give it nice, you know, tilled up soil but even if it can find a crack to get into your heart, it'll work. It's, it's full of life, okay? But when we have this condition of heart and we don't deal with it, we literally give Satan the opportunity to immediately come and steal this word out of, out of our hearts. And, and we just can't, we make this mistake sometimes. We, we confuse the idea of having heard the word, having, having read a chapter in a Bible, having heard some preaching, whatever. Again, the seed came, but we confuse that with actually giving place, actually receiving the word. Receiving the word is an act of the will. Receiving the word is a place where we say, yes, Lord. If it's challenging, I want to be challenged. If it's encouraging, I want to be encouraged. But whatever it is, it's coming from you. I know what it is. It's alive. It's your word. It's not the word of a man. It's not the word of just society. It's not a news report. It's the word of God. So yes, Lord, I, I open my heart to it. The whole, you know, he uses this parable. The whole Jewish culture revolved around um, agriculture and and so farmers understand soil preparation and it's just as important as reaping the harvest later or what seed you put in it. The preparation, the condition of that soil is so important. Again, when we, we had a garden at uh, the last place we lived in Albuquerque and I mean, the soil was horrible. And so you had to prepare that soil. You had to fertilize. You had to dig it up. It was hard as a rock and full of rocks. It was, you know, it was terrible soil compared to some of the places that we've been. I remember when I was a kid, again, living in North Dakota and then uh, working in the uh, moving furniture and, and we were driving over through Minnesota and it was in the spring and it was raining like crazy. But we went through a place called Blue Earth, Minnesota. And it was, you know, everywhere the signs were, this is the Valley of the Jolly Green Giant, you know, and, and all this stuff. Well, the soil, especially when it was raining, it was blue black. I mean, it was just rich, fertile soil that had existed. At, it was the bottom of an old lake bed. And it was so rich. Well, Western Colorado ain't like that. New Mexico isn't like that. Utah isn't like that. And yet, you know, it's, you can prepare the soil. And so this first part of this, it's all about soil and, and soil 
preparation. It needs to be conditioned to receive seed. And, and it's, that's all about our attitudes. And we've said this over and over. It's the size of the container that you bring you know, to your time with God. That's what determines how much you're going to take away. It's not that God's word is different and produces differently in different people. We'd like to think that, but it's not. God's the same. The word's the same. It's all about what we do in the condition of our heart. So he says here, when anyone hears the word, the Amplified Bible says, while anyone is hearing the word. I mean, this is an immediate thing that can happen one way or the other when we're hearing the word. If we're hard-hearted about it, if we ignore it, if we reject it, it gives the opportunity for the devil to come in and steal the word out of your heart. This can happen when anyone is hearing the word. So we don't grow out of this possibility, all right? We can become hard-hearted or we can have areas in our heart that are hard toward the things of God while there are other areas that were really open. You know, we really don't get to pick and choose, but, I, but we have those areas. And again, this isn't always intentional. Sometimes there's just one area in your life where you've been so beaten up on things have have you know, gone sideways so many times for you that you're just not willing anymore. You've lost hope and you're just not willing anymore to listen. And it, you know, it's like, I've heard it before. Well, probably need to hear it again. But I think for people who've been in the word for a while, familiarity and complacency can cause hardness of heart. It's like, well, here's a good example. I'm teaching on a passage that the majority of you have probably read many, many times in your own time with God. You've probably studied it some. If you've been coming to this church for a while, you've heard it taught a lot. If you've been going to other churches, probably heard it taught a lot. Popular. So, so do we just hear it with new ears or do we say, oh yeah, I've heard that. You know, in fact, right now, because we're doing the live stream thing, you can go, oh, I've heard that. Close your computer and go fishing, you know. What is our attitude toward the word? Do we realize it's always alive? It's always new. It's always fresh. He can always speak. And I've been doing this for a long time. And I'm continually amazed by the way verses that, I mean, they were personal to me. They were alive to me decades ago. And then I've taught them a bunch of times. They're still always fresh. He always speaks something new. It's just a phenomenal thing about the Word of God, and it's because it's alive. So we can have all four of the conditions of heart that are described in this parable in different areas in our heart at once. And we just want to really let the Lord work on each of those. So this is an immediate attack that comes when we either ignore the Word or reject the Word. It's something that happens immediately as or very shortly after the word is being presented to us. Again, a lot of North Dakota stories today. When I was a kid, you know, that was all farmland up there. And, you know, they'd plant sections of wheat and barley and oats and stuff. So they'd be out there, these big machinery, you know, with these drills planting. And uh, there'd just be a flock of birds going along behind them when they were plowing, but again, when they were planting, just a flock of, of seagulls and other birds just going along behind the machinery, behind the tractor, picking up whatever seed was on the ground. And that's 
you know, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. This is something, this is immediate. While anyone is hearing the word, this can come. And I also want you to notice in this that the devil comes to steal the word. Thieves only come for stuff that's valuable. And he knows, sometimes better than we know, that if he can just take the word, it's not like he doesn't have to do much more than that. If he can just take the word out of your heart, then he'll rob you of everything the word was sent to, to uh, produce in your life. He comes for the word. And so a lot of times, you know, we're asking ourselves, why did, why did this thing happen? You know, why is it that every, every time we leave church, my husband and I get, I guess I should say my wife and I in this day and age, my <laughs> wife and I, we get in an argument, you know, every time we, we get out of church, the devil's coming to steal the word. Why is it that every time I come out of church and I get home, probably shouldn't use that example on Mother's Day. I was going to say my mom calls. I probably shouldn't do that because mothers are always a blessing. Uh, somebody calls, my aunt calls, not my mother, my aunt calls and drives me crazy, gets me angry. Well, number one, you let her get you angry, but number two, the devil will use people, he'll use other voices, he'll use contrary circumstances, he'll use anything he can to get you to abandon the word that you just heard. He will get you into offense, he'll strike you with fear, he'll do whatever you're open to, whatever you will allow, he will use, and it's all there. You know, why did this, why did this accident happen? Just, to, oh, man, I, I can't tell you how many times when we teach on healing, loads of people get sick. They have, they have the opportunity to get sick. Why is that? Because God's trying to teach us that he doesn't heal anymore. No, I don't think so. It's because the devil wants to come with, and, and he does it, it's always an event or a, a circumstance followed by thoughts, followed by questioning what God has said. It might be a half-truth. There are lots of things he likes to use to steal that word out of, our, out of our hearts. But it'll come right after you've heard it. You'll hear about God wanting to bless your life and bless your children. And the next week, you'll have, you know, your kids will do crazy stuff. You know, it's, it's to, you just have to, once we know this, then we can guard the word. We can say, no, not today, right? No, Satan, not today. Ain't gonna happen. Because you recognize what's going on. You don't just get pulled off and into this whole thing because you recognize, no, 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 he's coming to steal that word. So you double down on the word. You, put, you double down on it. You take hold of it. You think on it. You pray it. You speak it. You walk around your house and yell it out there, but you don't allow it to be stolen. This, it, it, from the well, in this version, it says that he comes and snatches away the word. That comes from a Greek word, harpazo. It means to steal with an act of open force. Okay, to steal with an act of open force. There's another Greek word, klepto. You can imagine what we get from that, which means to steal secretly, sneak in and take it. That's not this word. This word, when Jesus says this, he snatches it away. He comes in with open force. He comes in with a thought. He comes in with an event. He comes in with an event with a thought behind it. And, and again, it's a theft. It's an illegal taking of something that belongs to you. 
And that's part of the key to receiving the word is recognizing, no, this belongs to me. This is my father's word. This is my family inheritance. This word, this promise, what it says, it belongs to me. I may not be, you're not seeing it at the point that it comes into your life. It's a seed, right? But it and everything it can produce belongs to you. And you have to take that attitude about the word. You have to take that attitude about God's promises and what he speaks and who he's revealed himself to be. It belongs to me. We talked this morning about that, just that revelation of who we are in Christ. It belongs to you, all right? It's your family inheritance. He, and the devil wants to steal it, okay? A big part of this is just simply learning to how to treasure up the word in your heart when you hear it, how to place value on it. You're not going to see the harvest of it right now, but you're going to take it in. And if it bounces, you know, off things that have happened in your life, if it falls into your heart and it bounces a little bit, you choose to grab hold of it. You choose to grab hold of it. You, we can tell when we're hard-hearted. We can tell. And again, that doesn't have to mean angry. That Sometimes it does. It doesn't have to mean bitter. It doesn't have to mean open rejection. It's sometimes it comes more as a weariness. Sometimes it comes as, oh man, that's such a painful place in my life, Lord. And you know, certainly the, when he speaks to us about forgiving again and again and again, sometimes it comes that way as, you know, oh God, you know, I've tried or whatever. That kind of thing comes up in our life. And it's like, no, let the word do its work. Just receive the word. Just receive the word. It'll start putting down roots. It'll start helping the soil. It'll start doing all of that. But the beginning is take hold of it, value it, treasure it up. Okay? Just got a few more minutes. Um, so again, he says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. Okay? Does not understand it. We usually think of that only as to comprehend. Like, I don't get it. Okay, sometimes the word comes and we don't get it. We know it's the word, but we don't comprehend it. But that's really not the fullness of what this, that's not what Jesus was saying. He wasn't saying, well, if you're dumb, this is never going to work in your life. Okay, that, that was not his intention here. He said, it, he used a word that it's a compound Greek word that means together and uh, to, to grasp hold of something together. It's, it's to put it together, put the pieces together like you would with a puzzle. That's what this word means. If you don't put the pieces together like you would with a puzzle, then Satan's going to be able to just pluck it right out of your heart. It's going to be real easy for him to do. It's just going to immediately snatch it away. It means to grasp what the Lord is saying in such a way that we see its relationship to and its application in our everyday life, in our challenges, in our activities, in our attitudes, in our relationships. We, we grab hold and we start to see, oh, I see. Your word says this. You've given me this principle now. How does that apply to everyday life? How does that apply. When we start to put those pieces together, and again, it's, it's your coach's responsibility. All you have to do is be open to it. Your coach, the Holy Spirit, will give you that. Re That's what getting revelation of the word is about. It, it begins to, we, we see the principle. We see, we experience the life of it. 
But all of a sudden it changed. Oh, well then this attitude has to change. That would be your attitude in this situation. And those are good questions to ask when the Lord's speaking to you. Okay, how does this apply? And I'll just give you this, this real quick. I'm, in fact, I'm not even going to read the verses. Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. It, uh, I am going to read the verse. I lied. Uh, it says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. It goes on. Okay, well, the first word there is slaves. And we can really easily say, oh, well, I don't know why you're drawing my attention to that. I'm not a slave. This, the principles involved here apply perfectly to employment. They, and he goes on and he talks to the one who, would, the master, the one who would be your employer about their attitude too. And so we can look at a verse like this. We can, this can come alive to us and we can realize, okay, so I need to do my job well, even when nobody's looking, right? You begin to put the pieces together. I, I, can, I need to do this. I need to not just be a brown noser, okay? I, I need to not just do this to win their favor. It needs to be sincere. For it to honor God, for my work to honor God, I need to have a sincere work ethic, okay? And it, and it goes on. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as unto the Lord, right? Well, that we can see that in the Word. We can see the principle, but we need to start putting the pieces together with our regular life. You know, we've talked over and over and over, and you don't have to turn there, about Mark chapter 4, verses 24 and 25 from the Amplified Bible. Be careful what you're hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you, right? So that word careful there, be careful what you hear, it literally means to see what you just heard. Be careful. It doesn't just mean be worried about it or something or, or watch out and don't hear the wrong thing. I mean, there, there's that aspect. Be, be aware of what you're hearing and taking in. For sure, that's there. But it means to see what you just heard. It actually comes from a word that means to see. See what you just heard. Well, the only way we're going to see what we just heard is if we give some thought and study to it. And we begin to let the Lord put the pieces together so that we can see I heard this from you, I see how it fits in life, right? When that starts to happen, that's the word gaining entrance into your heart. And the devil then can't just come. He has some other methods and there are other things in your heart that can interfere that we'll talk about, but, but he can't just come and snatch it away. Just can't, you know, come down like a bird from the air and take it and, and be gone, all right? It, this word careful means to keep it present before the eyes. To keep what God is saying to you present before the eyes. Keep what I hear before my eyes, the eyes of my heart. Think on it. Meditate on it. Let the Lord produce an image in your heart from his word that applies to your everyday life, that applies to your boss, your employees, your situation. Because otherwise, all we're doing is we're out there dealing with it the best we can. And we let ourselves think about all kinds of things. We can be, I've been in lots of bad job situations, lots of unpleasant, uncaring, unthankful job situations, but the word didn't change. And the sower didn't change. 
And so the only way, and I'm telling you, it, every time when I would get my attitude right, work went better. Always. And if it didn't, always, but if it didn't, God made a change then and, and advanced me to someplace better. But I had, it was my responsibility. And honestly, you know, I feel like I'd have stayed there until I got my attitude right. But at any rate, uh, God, will, God will work this out. So when we understand the word, the way Jesus is talking about, then it's not just a point of doctrine anymore. I got to finish this, what we're talking about right now. I realize I just looked at the clock like an idiot. Um, it's not just a point of doctrine. It's just not something we can quote or learn in Sunday school or something. It's, it's applicable to life, okay? So we are responsible then. I'm going to cut it off right here. I've, I've got a lot more, but we'll get to it. We'll pick it up next week. Um, when God speaks, we're responsible for giving our full attention to the word, to immediately assigning it value. Okay, I'm giving you some practical stuff here. Treat it like something precious. Keep it, guard it, be ready to defend it. What in your life that's valuable to you do you just leave laying out in the yard for somebody to steal? Even here, where we have very little theft, you know? If something's precious to you, you don't just leave it laying out there. You, you, you keep it, you guard it, you, you put it somewhere safe, all right? So there, yeah, we'll end with this. There are only two reasons that we would leave what God is speaking to us just out there open for it to be stolen. Either we don't understand the value of God's word. We just haven't grasped how powerful it is and how it will actually change who we are. You know, how his word is that seed of life or we don't believe there's a thief out there. We, we just don't get the whole thing that you have an enemy who wants to steal the word out of your life. We're going to see later uh, in, in the, the stony soil, it says that persecutions and afflictions come for the word's sake. They come to steal the word out of your heart. It's like anything else valuable and precious in your life. You make a decision to protect it, to guard it, be ready to defend it, and have your eyes open. And understand, you know, I'll, I'll just close with this. When, when we first, uh, well, anyway, when we moved back to Albuquerque from our time in Durango, uh, we had to live in town. I was working at the church and, you know, we had to be close. And I've only lived in town twice in my life. One was in Paonia and I hated that. I mean, it's a total of like 1,500 people and it was awful. It's in the city, <laughs> you know. But anyway, so we move into the real city. Those of you from New York can laugh. And, um, you know, we moved in there and I'd always, I had a Volkswagen then, you know, the trunk was in the front and I never locked that thing. I never pushed it all the way down. I kept my tools up there and stuff. I always had stuff in there and I just, you know, we didn't, I'd never, we'd never, I'd never locked my doors. I'd never lived anywhere where you had to lock your doors or do any of that stuff. 
I think we did start locking the house, and, and, but uh, all those tools, one day I went out and, and the trunk was closed, <laughs> tight, latched, so I had to open it, and all my tools had been stolen. Well, duh. You know, I just was not used to thinking about the fact that there were thieves around, you know? Where I grew up, people literally left their houses unlocked because someone might need to get in and borrow something. What if somebody needed to come in? Or what if it was blizzarding and somebody needed to come in and take refuge in my house? Why would I lock my house? I mean, I literally heard people talk like that. That's the environment I grew up in. So, you know, I, I knew what was around and what was possible, but who's going to actually steal those old tools anyway? Well, somebody did. So I had to change my attitude about it, and I had to recognize if it's valuable to me, I just need to guard it. I will not live in fear, and I will not live in hatred of somebody who steals my stuff. I'm not going to do that. But at the same time, I'm not going to be stupid. And it's the same thing with the word. You've got to know you have an enemy and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he primarily does it by taking the word out of your heart. So we'll get into some ways that he does that and things next week. We don't have time for it this week. And, um, and then we'll move forward probably. All right, let's pray. Father, I, th- I just want to thank you again today for your word, Lord. And I pray that everybody that hears this today or in the future as they watch this, Lord, that we would choose to value the things in particular that you have emphasized. Out of all of this, there are a few things that you have spoken, you have breathed into our hearts. Lord, those are vital for us. And we choose to treasure them up like Mary did, to treasure all these things up in our hearts, to put a, put a guard over the top of them and to allow your words entrance, even where it hurts, even where it's hard. Father, and I just feel impressed to pray, especially for people who have become hopeless in some area in their life. Lord, there's no place in our life that we don't have hope in you. It just doesn't exist, really. But we can feel that way. And so I pray especially for those to be able to open up and let your word breathe new hope into their lives. And I thank you for it today in Jesus' name. All right, we're going to say it on the count of three. I've been told that when I do this, my hand disappears, so I'm going to do it like this. On the count of three, we're going to say, Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. I guess you could throw in wherever you are in there, but anyway, one, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Have a great week. listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.